this morning. If you're able, remain standing just a tad bit longer and turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, page 1018, if you'd like to use a Bible from the church. This morning we want to complete our time in this passage that we've looked at this summer. And we're going to focus primarily on verses 10 and 11, but let's start at verse 1 and read down through verse 11. These are God's words for us this morning. And here's what God says. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so short-sighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he, has been, that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and elections sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word. There's no word like your word. Help us now to look at this word for these next few moments. Show us wonderful things. Change us by your word, through your spirit. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are now in the 11th week of these 11 verses, and we've focused primarily upon the role of effort in the Christian life. There in verse 5, for this reason, make every effort. Now, this morning, as we conclude our time together this summer in these verses, Peter, in a sense, circles us back around to verse 5, where he said in verse 5, make every effort. He now 
comes back and says here in verse 10, therefore, uh, brothers, be all the more diligent. There's a correlation between making every effort in verse 5 and being all the more diligent in verse uh, 10. He's exhorting us as he's wrapping up his exposition, his explanation to us. He's wrapping this up with an exhortation that we are diligent, that we make every effort to supplement our faith with virtue and uh, with knowledge and with self-control and with steadfastness and with godliness and with brotherly kindness and with love. Two things I want to think about as he exhorts us to cultivate these virtues. I want, to, I want us to see the reason behind this exhortation, and then I want us to note something of the result, results from this exhortation. First of all, there in verse 10, the reason behind the exhortation. The exhortation to be all the more diligent, coupled that with make every effort. And what's the reason? Well, there is much joy. There is much grace and peace to be found in having assurance that we belong to Jesus. That, 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 that God is our Father, that we are His well-loved children through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's much joy and grace and hope and strength in all things we need that are found in the assurance that we are Jesus's. And so Peter appeals to us to do what we are to do in order to confirm, in order to validate that we truly belong to Jesus. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and your election. Now, those are big, fancy words as the Bible explains them to us and unpacks them for us. Uh, calling is simply the spirit-driven process by which God takes sinners and draws us to Jesus. Election is just synonymous with God's, the one who first loved us while we were sinners, while we were ill-deserving of his love and his salvation, that, that he, while we were yet sinners, took the initiative to, to rescue us from our sin. And, 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 and so on the one hand, those are mysterious things. Those are things that, that happen in the eternal counsels of God. But how do we know that we are the recipients of God's calling and God's election? Paul would say something similar in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, but we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you, chose us as the first fruits to be saved through the sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this you have been called through our gospel um, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we know that God's calling and God's election has landed upon us? Well, 
there's something that we can do to validate that, if you would. Not something we do to earn that, uh, but something to, that we can do to evidence that, uh, uh, that God has really done a work in us, that God has gotten inside of us by His, His Spirit. And that is, it's quite simple, that we make every effort to uh, supplement our faith with virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly kindness and love, that, that we are all the more diligent in validating and confirming our calling and election. Now, the past three weeks, I've been um, setting tile in our front bathroom uh, uh, shower. And uh, I've had this horrible fear the whole time that um, I will wake up the next morning and um, there, there will be tile <laughs> in the shower, that it, it didn't stick. I mean, how do I know I really did this right? And the worst of my fears, it's not that you were going to ask me to come to your house and help you, but uh, worst of my fears, uh, I, was, I was taking out the spacers, uh, in, 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 and one of the tiles came out. Ah! I hope that's the only one this will happen to. Um, I mean, how, how do I know that I've done this right, that I've applied the right amount of thin set, and, 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 uh, and, and that I've pressed in on, on the... On the uh, concrete board properly. How do I? Time will tell. <laughs> Maybe I should just not let anybody use that shower forever. Adam, how do, how, do, how do you and I know that we belong to Jesus? Now, certainly there's a starting point in our life that at some point we... We heard the gospel and we turned and trusted in Jesus. That, that, and, and that we may have even done that in conjunction with a church or a church service. And that we may have walked an aisle. We may have, uh, we may have uh, talked to the preacher. We, we may have prayed a prayer. We may have joined a church. We may have gotten baptized. And those, those are all early indicators that something has occurred in our hearts and lives. But, but yet time will tell. And I say that not to... Not to cast doubts on anyone's soul, because I know some of us, some people have a more tender conscience than others, and for others that just may drive you to despair and introspection, and, and, and yet what Peter is telling us is that to have a sense of assurance this day that we truly belong to Jesus is that we will be all the more diligent, that we will make every effort to take what we started with, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will supplement that faith with the cultivation of virtue and knowledge and uh, self-control and steadfastness and brotherly kindness and love. In other words, Peter wants us to have that assurance that we belong to Jesus. And, and, and so to foster such a, a sense or a confidence or an assurance that we belong to Jesus is that we would find ourselves having a will and a desire to grow in the Lord. That when we hear, make every effort, we say, yes, Lord, I'll gladly do that. I'm grateful that I belong to you. When we hear Peter say, be all the more diligent, the spirit inside of us says, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to be diligent about this stuff. I don't want to be negligent. 
You see, the consequence of, of now being the recipients of, as he said in verse Three, his divine power has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. It goes on to say in verse 4 um, uh, uh, that, that we are partakers of the divine nature. What, what evidence is there that the divine nature now inhabits us, that the Spirit of God has moved in? Well, the first evidence or a evidence or a key evidence or an important evidence is it's affected our will and our desires. We want to grow in these things that look like Jesus. We love Jesus, and we want to be like him. We want to, therefore, actively, ongoingly, intentionally, and earnestly cultivate the very character traits that are described here in verses 5, 6, and Seven. And when we are not actively, ongoingly, intentionally, and earnestly cultivating these things, then, then another aspect of the reality of being partakers of the divine nature is that the Spirit of God inside of us convicts us of our lackadaisical laziness in refusing or not paying attention to cultivate these things. And the Spirit of God inside of us redirects us, causes us to repent and come back again to say, yes, Lord, thank you for laying down your life for me. Thank you for moving in and changing me. And so, Lord, I want to actively, ongoingly, intentionally, and earnestly cultivate these things where there is little to no desire or will to cultivate the virtues described in verses 5, 6, and 7, there will be, at, at the, at, on this first level, there will be a diminished sense of assurance. We will flounder. How do I know if I'm a well-loved child of God or not? How do I really know that God sees me as his own? Well, the surest way that Peter describes to us as to how we can have that sense of assurance is that we could be diligent, that we could make every effort. Second thing I want to say is the results from this exhortation. And I think what Peter does is he presses the issue now a tad bit deeper. Whereas in the first part of verse 10, he calls us to, he exhorts us to continue cultivating these virtues in our lives because these, cultivating these virtues gives us a sense of assurance that we belong to Jesus. Uh, I think he leans into this even a bit more here. And he's going past just merely having a confidence. And he's He's actually addressing the reality itself. Do we really belong to Jesus? Here's how he says that. It's the second part of verse 10 and then into verse 11. Um, For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Now, 
that, that phrase, never fall, that, that could be kind of an ambiguous term as to what he means by that. Does he mean that in this present life as we are walking along, if we are cultivating these virtues, that, that we, will, we will not falter or stumble in this life? It could, it could mean that. I, I think in this context, it doesn't mean that. I think verse 11 is the, is the, is the counterpoint to the second part of verse 10. So, uh, that you may never fall is further defined by what he describes positively positively in verse 11. So instead of never falling, uh, for if, verse 11, for in this way you will be richly um, provided, there, there will be richly provided for you an, an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So never falling is juxtaposed with receiving a rich welcome in heaven. So, so then says, never falling. Falling in this context is failing to get home, failing to receive a rich welcome in heaven. So see, see, see the, 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 the two possible results here as to why he would exhort us to be all the more diligent, as to why he would exhort us to, to, uh, to, to continue to practice these qualities uh, is because uh, the, our destiny is in play and the, the outcome of the reality of whether or not we belong to Jesus is in play. Now, I know when, when I touch on this, if you've, if you've grown up in a Baptist tradition, it, it starts to get spooky for a moment. Because one of the things that Baptists have believed and affirmed, and it's a biblical belief and affirmation, is that um, God gets every one of his children safely home. He, he loses none, Jesus told us. So the issue is not one of which can a genuine follower of Christ fail to get home. The, the issue is how over time we demonstrate whether or not we really belong to Jesus in the first place. Because he gets every one of his children home, but he gets every one of his children home as he stirs in our hearts and prompts us with a desire and a will to grow in Christ, to, to cultivate these things, to, to, be, to make every effort, to be all the more diligent. You see, as we are here this morning, we will either fall short of arriving in heaven or we will receive a rich welcome in heaven. And the way to get safely home involves effort and diligence. Now, let me unpack, first of all, what I didn't just say. What I'm not saying is that you and I start in God's family by grace. And then somewhere in those early months, even though God was so kind to us and so gracious to us and, 
and gave us what we didn't deserve and, and, and didn't give to us what we did deserve, uh, that he welcomed us into his family by grace. But then somewhere along the line, he switches it up on us. And, and then it's through our efforts that we stay in God's family. No, 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 no. That's not what the scripture teaches. That's not what I'm trying to explain to us. No, we start in God's family by grace and we stay in God's family by grace. But staying in God's family by grace is not incompatible with effort. In fact, staying in God's family by grace is what causes us to be energized in our efforts. Where there is no effort there is no indication of grace. Where we look at the cross of Christ, whether it's six months ago when we first saw the cross of Christ, or six years ago, or 60 years ago when we first saw the cross of Christ, and it was altogether lovely and beautiful to us. The grace of Christ opened our eyes to see that and see our need for the cross. That, that very same grace of Christ still percolates in our hearts six months later and six years later. And should the Lord tarry to not call us home 60 years later, that the Lord's grace is always engaged in our hearts and souls and, and ever changing us, ever giving us a desire to return once again and to stay focused upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, the Lord... The Lord never gets stingy with us. He, he, he never says, now, now look, I was nice to you when we got started. I brought you in when you didn't deserve it. But now, kid, you're on your own to finish. I'm kind of pulling back on my, on my grace. No, no, God's gracious generosity toward his children in Christ Jesus continues faithfully, continues forever and it's for this reason that we are now partakers of the divine nature that we are now the recipients of God's everlasting eternal love and grace it is for this reason that that it makes sense that we are now the people who hear the word and respond make every effort be all the more diligent it is the faithful continuance of grace that enables us and empowers us to, out of that grace, make effort and to pursue with diligence the things that are set before us. Growth in Christ-likeness. Or to go back and revisit what he said in verse 10, how, how, how do we really know that God chose us? How do we really know that, that God has truly joined us to Jesus? How, how, do we, how do we make our calling and election sure? We, we work at cultivating virtue. We actively, ongoingly, earnestly, and intentionally cultivate virtue in our lives. This is kind of the way that Paul said it in Philippians chapter 2. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't sound very lackadaisical to me. 
That sounds pretty intense. It's like, wow, how's, why, why is Paul so crabby at that moment? I mean, he, he was, a while ago, he was telling us about this nice Jesus, and now he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, be earnest, be intentional, be ongoing, be, be active. Then he says in verse 13, 4, in other words, here's the grounds. The, the means by which we grow is we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. The cause or the grounds of that, he says in the next verse, for, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's just, Paul's just saying what Peter just said. Make our calling and election sure. Make, make, give evidence to the fact that we are now partakers of the divine nature. Give evidence to the fact that, that, that everything that we need to live a godly life has been provided to us graciously, abundantly. No stinginess at all here. An overflow, more than enough, more than you and I will ever need so that we would be a people who make every effort. We're not, we're not talking about making effort to earn our relationship or to even earn our stay in that relationship. We are talking about making effort in light of the endowment of God's grace that we might evidence that grace. Paul would say it another way in 1 Timothy chapter 6, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, but pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. You see the overlap of, of, of virtues and descriptions here that Peter talks about? Pursue these things. What, what Peter, Peter says is supplement or add to your faith these things. What Paul says is pursue these things. Pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. I, I'm not saying pursue these things so that you might become a child of God. I'm saying as a child of God, evidence that you're a child of God by having an inclination and a will to pursue these things. Fight the good fight of faith, Paul says in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Take, and this is an interesting phrase, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of it. How do you and I take hold of eternal life? By pursuing righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. We, we take hold of that which has been graciously, abundantly provided for us. God keeps his children. He will never say, now what just, what just, what just happened to Joe here? He was with me a second ago. I lost him. Oh my goodness, I've lost Joe. He will get each of his children safely home. But God uses means to get his children safely home. And one of the means that God uses to show how faithfully he keeps his children is he tells his children to keep themselves in the love of God. God. 
A parallel book to 2 Peter is the book of Jude. Listen to what Jude verse 21 says. It says what I just said, really. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. You want to make it home? Keep yourself in the love of God. And yet, what he says in verse 1 of Jude is to those who have been called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. So now, which is it? Does God keep us in his love, or does God tell us to keep ourselves in his love? trick question. The Scripture does not pit those two things against themselves. The Scripture doesn't say it's either one or the other. The, the Scripture affirms the validity of the fact that if we belong to Jesus, we are kept for Him. And, and yet to those who are kept by and for Jesus, He says to us, keep yourselves. God gets us home. He says in Jude 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, or in Peter's words, falling. Now, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. God's design for us this morning is to not only keep us, but to keep us so that we stay, that we, we, that we will be presented into the presence of God as blameless. That, that, we will, that we will be surrounded by the magnanimous glory of God in Christ Jesus, and that we will be more than happy to arrive there. That's the surety of his word to keep us to that arrived destination. But the God who gives us that promise is also the God who gives us this exhortation. Be all the more diligent to confirm, to demonstrate, to prove that you belong to Jesus in the first place. So, Father, help us. Help us to not merely coast. Help us to certainly rest in your grace. Oh, but Father, help us to strive to enter into the rest that you provide. Father, thank you that you promise to keep each and every one of your children. But Father, thank you that you tell each and every one of your children to keep ourselves in your love, to be diligent, to make every effort. Father, thank you that you've given us everything we need to pertain to life and godliness. And so, oh, Father, since you've given us everything we need, may we show that by pursuing a life of godliness for your glory, waiting for the mercy of eternal life, yearning for the day that we will present, be presented faultless before your throne and see the glory of Jesus and have hearts filled with happiness. Oh, Father, May we be diligent. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>